name is Moredi Wanjao. Uh, I am the famous Moredi Wanjao that the guys didn't know who was. And I am uh, also known as Pastor M. Uh, and I'm the senior pastor of Abuno Church. It's such a joy for me to be bringing God's word uh, to you this morning. We began a new series and we're, we're really enjoying learning about what God's word has to say uh, about money. Uh, before I launch into the word, I have a question for you. I want you to imagine with me that your friend, your best friend in primary school, you haven't seen him or her for years, and you bump into this person, only to realize they've become a billionaire. I mean, in the absence, they've become a billionaire. They're such a huge, big shot. Uh, one of the rich people in Africa. And you realize, that's my friend. And the best thing is, when you meet this person, they recognize you. In fact, they remember when you saved them from bullying in primary school. And tears come to their eyes. Imagine tears coming to a billionaire's eyes because of you. I mean, that's amazing. Already you're feeling, I'm in. You know, it's like, wow. And then to make things, I mean, just to cap your evening, this person says, I owe you everything. <laughs> Tell me one thing, just one thing I can do for you because I want to make sure that you're happy. Now, your friend is a bit of a sanguine, so you're not sure they'll remember the offer tomorrow. <laughs> you know how sanguines are. They're excited every moment, at the moment. And so you have to make your offer there. What's the thing you ask for? What do you ask your friend for? I can see some kaching signs in people's eyes. Just talk to your neighbor for a minute. Uh, talk to your neighbor for a minute. What would you ask your friend for? This one thing you, you need to just ask. The one thing that you would ask for. Your, your billionaire friend. They've told you, just ask one, just one thing. If you don't know your neighbor, introduce yourself to them. The one thing that you would ask for. <laughs> Your friend has told you, I owe you. I'm who I am because of you. Just ask one thing. Tell me. What would you ask for? I can tell the excitement in church has gone up a few notches. So, okay, it was one thing. Not, not like, this is a, it's, it's a, it's a multiple, it's one answer, not like, you know, for some of you, you're putting commas in your one thing. It's, it's just one thing. I asked this question this last week on my Facebook page. And I got quite a few answers. Some of them were hilarious. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Maybe some of you, your answers are kind of close to this or you like this answer. If this is you, just go like this. This is awesome. That's a great answer. I think I like that. If you think that answer is like, you'll be like, yeah, okay. It's not a bad answer, but I'd never ask for that. You can do this. If you think that's a horrible way to use that one offer in your life, just do this, all right? So let's go. Let me tell you what these people said. This person said, hey, I'm a proud person. I'd never ask anyone for anything. All the pride people in the house, it's like, <laughs> die with your pride. All right. Uh, somebody else said, I would ask that our friendship always continues. Some of you are clever because you know your friend is a sanguine. Okay. All right. I would ask this person to give jobs to all my relatives who are jobless. Some of you are like, my relatives can die at this point. It's like, what, what do my relatives have to do with this offer? Where were they in primary school? Somebody else said, a 2015 Mercedes SLK 350. Anybody talking to... Oh, wow, you guys are Mavuno, man. What's up with that? 
I was expecting a little more. Oh, Mercedes is too low for you guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, somebody else said, a tea date to tell me how he succeeded. I think some of you are putting up like this because it's church. And it's like, that sounds like what a Christian should ask for. It's like, tea, for real? The guy has asked me for anything? Okay, sour. Uh, seed capital to start my business. Some of you have been wanting to start a business. That farm, that wheat farm of yours. Just give me a few million shillings. Hook me up. All right, a few of you. Come on, everybody has to play. You need to show me whether you think. Some of you are like, I don't want to look foolish, so I'm not going to put up my hand. Okay, sour, sour. Uh, somebody else said, some of his shares, just shares in his business. That's all I want. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. By the way, you guys are really interesting. Uh, there's somebody else who was very open. I thought this person really knows what they want. They just said 25%. That's, <laughs> I just want 25%. Anybody with 25, it's like money. Just give me 25% of everything you have. Anybody feeling that one? Since, I, since you owe me everything anyway, just give me 25%. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's so amazing. I, my, now, when I become a billionaire, I know who to talk to and who not to talk to. Last week, we began a new series called Money Wise, Lessons from a Billionaire. And uh, some of you have been wondering, some of people are wondering, I heard that they thought the billionaire was me, yours truly. I just have to say, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, the lessons are not from me, they're actually from King Solomon, who was the wisest and the wealthiest person in the Bible. And he really was a billionaire many times over as we looked at the, at, at the scripture last week. And we're, we're learning some critical lessons from a billionaire's perspective about money. And who else better to learn from than somebody who has lots of it? So... Last week, we looked at this incident, the beginning, where this man had an incredible experience. I mean, Solomon, uh, he had money already. It wasn't that he was poor, but he did something with his money that displayed that for him, the purpose of his money, the purpose of wealth was to worship God. Uh, he, he, he offered a thousand of his prime animals. We did some of the math last, last week. It was stunning. And God was so <laughs> impressed, clearly, that God actually showed up. Didn't send an angel. He showed up personally in the guy's bedroom and asked him, what is it you want? Anything. And Solomon had this opportunity to talk to God about what he wanted. And we learned a biblical principle. The use of your wealth reveals the state of your heart. It's a very, very imp important principle as we start to look at the topic of money. You see, God is always looking at how we use money. He's interested in how you spend your money. Because your, the way you spend it is the best indicator of the state of your heart. You see, money talks. They say money talks. Money actually talks, and it always tells the truth. If you want to find out what someone really values, if you want to find out what someone truly hopes for, if you want to find out what someone's real priorities are, don't bother asking them. Look at how they spend their money. If you could get a financial accounting, just check how their checkbook operates, what their bank account looks like. That will tell you what this person is really about. And that's why God is interested in how we spend money. And if you remember last, last uh, week, I gave you an assignment. And we talked about that you would pray over every expenditure that you did last week. How many of you really struggled with that one? It's like, wow, that was a hard thing to do. Hard assignment. All right. Okay. How many of you like completely forgot? It's like, oh, my shucks. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, there's homework. All right. Okay. How many of you found it like, yeah, you were able to do it. It worked and you prayed. Wow, thank you for the three of you who did the homework. Uh, 
Could, let me ask that this month we make that our homework. Let's just try. Because I'm going to give you more homework today. Is that okay? I, 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 this stuff, we have to practice it. And it's not just stuff for here. If we really wanted to make a difference, we actually have to use it. And so I'm going to ask you to keep doing that one. And today, remind me at the end because I have more homework uh, for you as we conclude our message. Now, the question today is what do you do when God gives you a blank check? What do you, give, do when, what do you ask for when God tells you, ask me for anything? And that's what we want to look at. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. We want to continue the story that we began last week. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. And as you turn there in your Bibles, I want to just pray for us as we turn into God's Word. Father, thank you for this amazing day that we can come and worship you. Thank you for Hill City. Thank you for the members of this church. Thank you for the visitors who are here. Thank you for allowing us to all be here to worship you, to learn from your word. We love you, Lord. As we learn your word today, I pray that, Lord, you would open our eyes to see the riches within it. Lord, all of us are here because we want to hear your wisdom. And I'm praying, teach us, Lord, speak. And more than that, help us to hear what you are saying. I pray against anything that would keep any one of us from hearing what you have for us to hear whether it's anxieties or worries or just any spiritual forces, we bind those right now. We take them captive and we bind them and cast them straight to you to deal with as you choose. And I pray that, Lord, every one of us would have a heart that would receive your word and that word would bring transformation and cause us to be the people you're calling us to be. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people say it. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. And we're continuing from where we left off last week. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give, to give you. And Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to, to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me a king of our people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. You've got to ask yourself a question. What in the world is wrong with this guy? Why does he think like this? Why would he given an opportunity to ask for anything in the world? I mean, God wasn't bluffing. It was anything. Why would he ask for something as abstract, as hard to measure as wisdom? Who needs wisdom when I can pay other people to be wise for me? Have you ever thought about that? Just give me money. I'll pay wise guys. And they can look after my money. Who needs wisdom? Why ask for wisdom? What makes this answer even more ridiculous is theologians believe that Solomon was in his early 20s when he had this experience. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in my early 20s, <coughs> wisdom. <laughs> would not have been in my top five of things that I'd have asked for if anyone told me to ask for anything that I wanted in the world. <laughs> you know, most 20-year-olds, in fact, let's be honest, most people, <laughs> wisdom doesn't put food on the table. Wisdom doesn't buy me my dream car. Why would I ask for wisdom when I can ask for anything. But you know, the interesting thing is, somehow, young Solomon, in his early 20s, asked for knowledge and wisdom 
to carry out his God-given purpose. That's basically what he was saying. You've given me this purpose, this huge people to lead. Give me wisdom to lead them. He asked for wisdom to fulfill his purpose. And it seemed that that was the right answer. That God was pleased with his request. Because the story continues on in verse 11. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for death of your enemies. I don't know if any of you are asking for death for your enemies when you had a chance to ask for anything. But th- he could have asked for that. Kill my boss. <laughs> Just gave somebody an idea of what to pray for. Since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I've made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. Why was God so excited about Solomon's request? You see, the dictionary defines knowledge as facts, information, and skills that are acquired by a person through experience or education. Facts, information, or skills. That's what knowledge is. But wisdom, on the other hand, is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So there's something about acting based on knowledge and good judgment. So knowledge has to do with facts and information, like we said. Wisdom has to do with action and application. Another way to put it, somebody simply put it this way. That wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible for someone to have knowledge without wisdom? Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Every time you see a doctor smoking. Hello. (laughs) It's like you have knowledge. You've been trained. You've even seen the slides of diseased tissue. And you're still doing that to yourself. That's knowledge without wisdom. Every time I walk through Eastlands or some of our parts, or even Kitangela, and I see unplanned buildings. Is it, do you think our unplanned buildings in this city are because we lack trained expertise in city planning? No! We have some extremely gifted people here. By the way, I don't know, there's, there's this urban legend, I don't know how true it is, but I think, I, I suspect it might be true that Singapore actually borrowed an urban plan from Nairobi in the, in the 60s, 70s. I mean, that's how serious our planners are in knowledge. Knowledge without wisdom. Is it possible? Let me ask another question. Is it possible for someone to have wisdom without knowledge? Give it some thought. Don't answer too quickly. Yeah? Yeah? Without any knowledge? I actually don't think so. I'll tell you why. Because wisdom is the application of what? Of knowledge. So wisdom comes from having, even if you don't have a lot of knowledge, you have some knowledge, and you're able to use that knowledge to do the right thing for yourself, And for those around you. Now given a choice to ask for anything in the world. Solomon asked for knowledge and wisdom. Now that's a radical thing. I'm going to speak to the young people here. 
Because in our city, in our world today, we idolize money, toys, and fame. We all want to be famous when we're young. And HR practitioners today will tell you that most young people leave college and the first thing they want is a job that's going to give them a six-figure salary. Net. <laughs> it's like that's what they want. I mean, ask anybody in HR, they'll tell you. And after that, they want a company car, a full medical plan, and a housing allowance on top. It's amazing. This is what young graduates come out of school thinking they're going to get. And when they don't get it, they get completely disillusioned and angry. Angry at the system and angry at their employers. It's true. They think they've been played. Because they can see some of their friends are getting those things. And those who, 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 who say, forget employment and go into business, they want to be the next Facebook next year. Like in 12 months. And they're working hard. They're, they're, they're cutting all corners, taking all shortcuts. Because they want this. Because this is what we think about. We want, to, we want money. And we think it's the answer for everything in that sense. But Solomon's response points us to a very different reality. A very important lesson. And it's a lesson that few actually apply. I'll just, I'll just tell you right from the start. As I share this word, it is countercultural, it is radical, and I won't prophesy. I'll say in other congregations, in other parts of the world, only 5% of people would apply this message. In Mavuno, I'm sure it will be higher than that. And those 5%, I can tell you, will build a foundation for lasting wealth. But most people will not apply this because it does not jive with anything else in the culture. And the lesson is this. That true wisdom, <laughs> let me put it differently. True wealth, true wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. True wealth starts with wisdom. Not wallet. Like I tell you, it sounds very nice and easy, but very few people actually apply this. You see, true, true wealth is not about how much you earn or what you have in the bank. It's about how much wisdom you have to know what to do with what you have. And I know you've heard that before, and I've always known that, but as I grow older, I'm really coming to understand how, just how true that is. I'll be sharing a little more about that in the next couple of weeks. But I just want to say this, true wisdom starts with wisdom, with true, true wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. Why does King Solomon ask for wisdom and not wallet? Why does he not ask for money to solve all his problems? Why is it important to get wisdom before you get money? In fact, put a different way, why is it dangerous to get rich too quickly? Because there is a danger if you get rich too quickly. Three things begin to happen when that happens, when you get money before you have wisdom. The first is you fail to develop financial wisdom and discipline. We fail to develop financial wisdom and discipline. Getting money before wisdom is like jumping straight into high school without bothering to dispense with primary school. I don't know about you, but we, your school maybe had people like this, but we had them in my, in my high school. I remember in Nairobi school, we landed there. And I mean, we, it was quite an experience being a form one in that school. But there were young guys who were maybe two years younger than the rest, like the geniuses in their schools. I mean, these guys had been promoted and passed through many classes because they were just so sharp, they couldn't cope with their peers. And so now they, they came in 
And it was interesting being in this school because, I mean, there were definitely intellectual peers with anybody. In fact, they were even above, <laughs> they were even ahead of some of us intellectually, even though they were younger than the rest of the class. But they did not have the maturity to be in that space. And many of them were depressed because the changes that we were going through at that stage as we played sports, as we, as we, as we discovered girls, <laughs> as we, as, and we, you know, it was like they were just zoned out. They were little kids in a room full of young men. It was a depressing place. In fact, I usually tell parents, you need to be careful as you promote your kids very quickly and put them into spaces where they have the intellect, but not the emotional maturity to be in. You know, wealth, wealth creation is a staircase. It's not a lift. It's not an elevator. Lifts take you straight up. But wealth creation is meant to be one step at a time. Each step, building the wisdom, building the experience to help you with the next one. Some people take the, the lift. They win the lottery. <laughs> they steal the money. They inherit it. But many people, when they do that, they go up very quickly. But they also come down quickly or they live in anxiety up there. That's the danger. True success is not something that can be given to you. The way to prepare success is not to pray for a lucky break. You've all heard of lottery winners who after going through their winnings have been left even worse off than the, where they were because they did not have the maturity to appreciate the gift they had been given and to use it. It's important to take time to build a type of foundation to support a successful life. And, you know, it's so interesting as I talk about this, it sounds so theoretical. Yes, those guys, I've seen them on opera, they won money and they became broke. But, you know, it's so interesting because it applies to us as well. A few years back, there was this whole thing about pyramid schemes in this culture. And I have to ask you, do you think the people who are duped by the pyramid schemes were the ones who didn't go to school, who are foolish, who are uneducated? I can see some people not even daring to nod because their spouse is sitting next to them and she's still angry <laughs> three years later. Knowledge without wisdom. So you have the money, but, you know, it was so interesting hearing people reason that you could actually invest and get 20 to 30% per month out of this. And it didn't matter with people whether you tried to explain, listen, unless you're in drugs, and even drugs, I think they have some limits in terms of their quickness of return. But unless you're in drugs, even Safaricom, the, the highest earning corporation in our country, would only dream... In fact, I kept asking people, why, the, why hasn't Safaricom invested in this if it's so lucrative? But you know, it's so interesting because people lost money because they had the money, they got the salary, they, had, they were earning it. Okay, let me not offend. Let me just say, people lost their life savings in those schemes. Solomon actually talks about that. You see, <laughs> he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26, this is a very profound very, 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 very profound verse. I actually want you to write it down. This is so profound. It's life-changing. If you, if you understand this and practice it, you will never fall for a pyramid scheme again. And it says this, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Wisdom, knowledge, and the result is happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. In other words, the, basically the one who pleases God is the one who's been given what? Wisdom. 
what this scripture is saying is money flows to the people with financial wisdom. Are you understanding this? So even if you got a high-earning job, six-figure salary, what you don't understand is if you don't have the wisdom for it, what happens to money? Money flows. And even if that rich friend of yours was to give you 25% of his wealth, guess what happens to that money? <laughs> money flows. So you get your 25%, it flows back to who? You're not, you're not tracking with me, are you? Because you're thinking, this is for other people, this is not for me. I know myself, if I get 25% of a billion something, guess who will end up rich? Your billionaire friend. Because? Okay, you're refusing to play because you're not with me on this one. Huh? Money flows. Money always flows towards those who have discipline and financial wisdom. Even if you have a high-paying job but you lack financial wisdom or discipline, you will constantly be making money for others, as many of us are today. We're in business of making money for Woolworths. We're in business of making money for DT Dobby. We're in business of making money for Barclays Bank. By the way, do you know all those names are names of people that you're making money for with your high earning six-figure salary? So that's the danger of finding money before you find wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16, billionaire Solomon, a billionaire tip. Solomon says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver? Because Solomon understood this thing. True wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. Number two, danger of getting rich too quickly. We become blinded to our real situation. We become blinded to our real situation. You know, as I talked about this generation, I really fear for it. Because like I said, many leave college thinking I need, the first thing I need is a job that pays me 70,000 shillings, 100,000 shillings. And you know, they, because those jobs are not many, they're there, but they're not as many as people think. And so those who don't get them become very disillusioned. I meet very many young, angry people who are bewildered that they're not earning what everybody else is earning around them. But you know, the funny thing is, it's not just those people who have lacked those jobs and have become bitter who are in danger. It's the ones who get the jobs as well. There's a huge danger to getting that wealth and being blinded because it blinds you to your real situation. I still, I'll, I'll never forget this um, young, very intelligent young lady that I met who had a, I mean, she got a job straight out of school smart, top-of-her-class kind of person, got a great job, um, 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 and always had great jobs, had this job where she was earning a huge resources. By the time we met, she was in her 30s. I mean, she was earning at least 700,000 shillings a month, net of, of her bonuses. Uh, she was wealthy until she lost her job. And I remember meeting her just a couple of months after she lost her job and hearing her story. And the shocking thing for me was she was destitute. She was in complete trouble. I mean, you would never have known it. I remember as we, as I, even as I saw the tears, I couldn't believe it. Because even the perfume that she was wearing smelled expensive. Do you, know, do you know perfumes that smell expensive? Don't look at your neighbor right now, but they're perfumes and then they're perfumes. And I mean, it smelled of money. I mean, the car she came driving in for this counseling appointment was a, it was a huge, it was a machine, a driving machine. It wasn't a car. Her children were in some of the, I mean, there's these schools that look like castles. I mean, big, big schools somewhere. You would never have known when, you walked, when she walked into my office what this appointment was about. Because this is how this person knew how to live. They couldn't even move out of the lifestyle because this is what they'd always been in. 
I mean, how do you move your kids? And this is what they've always known. And I still remember talking to my wife and writing a check for 50000 God moved me so much in that story that I gave this person money, my own money. Not that I had it, but I just sensed God told me, give this person this money because they were destitute. She didn't even know where they were going to get food that week. We prayed and believed with this person, laid hands on her. And God, in his favor and mercy, within two weeks, gave her a job, gave her a great job. And I thank God. It was a happy ending. And I'm happy that this person has a job today. The one thing that so concerns me is they've become so busy in their job that I'm not even sure that if the same thing happened, she'd be in a different place. Yes, she's investing, I know, and she's in a different, she's, she thinks a little differently. But I'm not sure she's taken the time to add wisdom, to catch up with her earning ability. Her earning ability was way higher, way higher than the wisdom she had. And this is a danger that many people who get money before knowledge, before wisdom, run into. Ah, poverty, I've come to understand, is not a state of the, of, of the wallet. You know, people think my wallet is empty, so I'm poor. Poverty is a state of the mind. And this is what happens to, this, to, to us. You could have a big, high-paying job, but in your mind, you are poor. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12, another billionaire tip. I'm getting some great billionaire tips from Solomon today. He says, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. They're both shelters, all right? But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Ha! You've got a person who has money without wisdom, and you've got a person who has wisdom without money. Tell you what, they both are secure in a sense, but one of them preserves life. The other doesn't. And you'd rather be in that place where I have a lot more wisdom than I have money. Because you know what happens? What I say about money? It does what? It's going to flow towards you. It's going to flow towards you. True wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. Third danger of getting rich too quickly, we put our trust in the wrong things. We put our trust in the wrong things. When we get money before we have wisdom, we begin to put our confidence in the wealth, not the source of the wealth. First Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 6 verse 12, many thousands of years later, Paul said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. This is what the apostle Paul said many thousands of years later. But Solomon would have agreed with it. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 19, that's another one of the books he wrote of wisdom, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5.19, Solomon said, when God gives someone wealth, and possessions, and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Hey, this guy is the richest man in the world. He's the richest man in his time. But he understands that God not only gives wealth, but he gives the ability to enjoy that wealth. Very profound and a humble thing for him to say, to, to say. You see, when I stop trusting God and I start trusting the wealth, what happens is I become insecure and fearful. Before... I was insecure and fearful because I didn't have money. Anybody ever been insecure and fearful because you didn't have money? Uh-huh, many of us have been. But then now I have the money, I become insecure and fearful because I'm afraid of losing the money. And it's like it doesn't help me. I have wealth, I'm fearful. I don't have wealth, I'm fearful. And this is the danger, that we've put our trust in the wrong things. Because true wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. Tell your neighbor, wisdom. 
then point to your pocket, not wallet. Uh-huh. Let them remember that illustration, not wallet. So how do we invest in growing wise? Number one, invest time with God. Invest time with God. Again, very counterintuitively. I told you not many people do this because they don't really believe it. It's not what the, how the world works. But invest time with God. Solomon did not go to Harvard. He didn't go to Oxford. He didn't go to Strathmore Business School. Solomon went to God and learned about wisdom. That's a good place to start. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, any candidates in the house? Financial wisdom? Uh-huh. Anybody? Yeah. There's quite a few of us. Yes, I lack financial wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask who? God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And then it says this, it will be given to him. That's one of the most astounding promises in all scripture. Because it's not for if righteous people <laughs> lack wisdom. If good people lack wisdom. If people who are really godly lack wisdom. What does it say? If anyone lacks wisdom. I love that. It's so inclusive. And then it says when you ask God what happens, it will be given to you. Powerful promise. Powerful promise. You know, we don't often do it. The Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. I remember as a young pastor, when I began to do this job, I was so intimidated by it. I was so overwhelmed by it. Often, just found myself in tears, feeling so overwhelmed. I had panic attacks. And I remember that one of my biggest prayers was this scripture. I said, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. You've given me such a big calling. You've given me such a big vision. You've given me such a big purpose. Give me wisdom to match up because I know I don't have it. And you know, I prayed. One of the other verses I prayed was Psalm 119, 100. It talks about, I have more wisdom than my elders. Very powerful. I have more understanding than my elders for I obey your precepts. I said, God, as I obey you, give me wisdom beyond my elders. And I remember praying that prayer for many years. I still pray today. And I'll say this, and I say it with all humility. I've, <laughs> I've found myself standing in huge audiences. I found myself speaking to people that I have no business speaking to. I found myself, by the way, I've pinched myself several times to say, am I alive? Am I awake? Is this a dream? I've spoken to governors and senators, not in Kenya, by the way. <laughs> Ours are recent. Uh, in, in different parts of the world. And I've had audience with them. And I've been asked by people, how do you think like that? And you know what? The amazing thing is, every time somebody asks me that, I say, I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. God is. He is. You know, I remember just this last trip when I was in the States, it was so amazing to find 50 plus churches that are running this Mizizi program that came out of this church. And I mean, they're not small churches. It's churches with thousands of people. And I remember somebody asking, how did you sit down and conceive of this? That's changing lives. I mean, there are testimonies of people. I remember one, one young lady told me I was a hooker. I was a stripper in a, in a club. And now my purpose after doing Mizizi, because they call it rooted there, my purpose after doing it is helping other people like myself in the clubs and getting them out and showing them how to do Mizizi and changing their lives. Somebody asked, how did you ever conceive that you could change lives across the world? I said, no. <laughs> In my wildest dreams and imagination, I would never imagine I could. 
I would never imagine that the humble things done at Mavuno Church could change the world. But they are. Why? God. It's Him. And the minute you, f- you, you forget it, the minute you think you're so hot, I think God removes your sight, isn't it? Because it's His wisdom. Do you lack wisdom? Start with God. You know, Solomon wrote books of wisdom. And he wrote them for us. To gain wisdom. <laughs> There's one really amazing um, book called Proverbs. And Proverbs is a book written by an old man to a younger man to teach him wisdom, including financial wisdom. And this is how he introduces that book. Proverbs chapter 1. He says, these are the wise sayings of Solomon. He even tells you, by the way, just in case you didn't understand, they're not just sayings. They are wise. So just in case you thought this was just writing, no, it is wise. Written down so that we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going. It's a manual for living. If you ever were stressed about how to live, this is a manual for living. For learning what's right and just and fair. To teach inexperienced people the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also for seasoned men and women. It's not just for young people. (laughs) Fresh wisdom. To probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Imagine, he writes that. How many of you have read through the, the Proverbs this year? Okay, I'm not doing this to shame anybody. I can see a few hands have gone up. Don't even put up your hands. Because what he's saying is, it's wise. Read it. And you know, it almost is, it looks like a coincidence. There's actually 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Like there are 31 days in the month. What if you made it a life practice? I'm going to read one proverb. Every day of the month. And just gain wisdom. You know, some of you said, I'll buy the billionaire tea. Well, here's the billionaire right here. He doesn't even need tea. He's free. He's in your Bible. Just sit with him. Buy yourself the tea. Once a day, just over lunch, just read one of those and underline wisdom. And soak it in. Solomon says, start with this and read it. So start with God. I've found that God is such an amazing, you know, it's not money you need, it's God's wisdom. It's such an amazing truth. We'll be talking a bit more about this as we go. But the second thing is invest in financial education. Invest in financial education. You know, money experts tell us one of the biggest problems in our culture is that people are either too busy or too lazy to educate themselves financially. They hope that someone else will help them magically multiply their money and give them security in their retirement years. We kind of think that it'll just somehow work out. I just need to keep earning. And one day when I'm old, it'll all somehow walk, uh, fall in together. We're so busy trying to get qualifications and make money, we have no time to invest in learning how to make the money work. So how do you invest in your financial education? One of the best ways is reading. Just read about it. Read from people who are good at this. Um, Read from people who have experience in doing this. Last week, I, 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 I um, introduced some resources. We have some reading resources. You can buy some at the info table. And just say, I want to read a book about money and how to manage money. Read. Another thing you can do is get something audio. If, you, if you're one of those people who reading is just work, uh, get something on your iPad or your, your phone or whatever it is, your gadget. And just listen to it in the Matatu every day. I mean, there's so much traffic in Nairobi anyway. This last week was an opportunity for a diploma. In financial education. As opposed to getting angry when the rain, just say, okay, hallelujah. In fact, now I can put on my tape and get some wisdom. 
there's such an opportunity for us to just gain wisdom everywhere. A third is attending courses. Attend courses. Centonomy is here. Somebody's going to say, oh, it's so much money. Oh my goodness, it costs money. You're investing. But you're gaining wisdom. So do it. Another way to do it is get mentored. Get mentors, people who can teach you. Now, let me just say something about mentors. Mentors are kind of slippery. They're not like a book. A book, you can just go buy it and you capture it and you put it on your table and it won't move. It's very hard. Let me say this. It works one in a million times when you go to somebody and say, I want you to be my mentor. People do this all the time. It's a mistake. It doesn't work. First of all, if they're wise enough to be your mentor, they're probably too busy. Number two, they prob- if they're wise enough that you want them to mentor you, there's probably a thousand other people who've asked them. So why you? So, so you need to do something different, isn't it? I remember once I asked a really smart Australian pastor. I mean, he's this guy. He's such an incredible guy. has a huge impact globally. And I remember asking him, what do you do when people come and tell you? Because at that time I was really thinking about it. What do you do when people come and tell you, um, I want you to be my mentor? You know what he told me? Told them, I tell them, come and cut my grass. I said, oh my goodness, really? He says, yeah, I've got a big loan. I, it's hard to manage, so I just get young men to come and cut it. <laughs> I said, so how does that get them mentored? He said, well, after they cut my grass, we sit down and we have lemonade. And we'll talk a bit. And they learn something wise. And I was like... Does everybody buy that? He says, no, most of them walk away and never call me back. I says, but the ones who do, they learn something. So, so I learned something then. If you want to get a smart guy to mentor you, find a way to serve them. Yeah. Drive them somewhere. Babysit their children. Think of something that will make their life easier. Offer to carry, no, don't carry their briefcase. Maybe it's <laughs> the important things there. They won't hit your head and think you're trying to steal. But find a way to serve them. And here's another little tip for, 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 for you that I found very interesting, by the way. Do an internship. You know, so many people come out of work, of school thinking, I want a job because a job is really important and it pays the bills. And I'm here, what I'm, what I'm about to share, by the way, if you're somebody who's just graduated from university, it's going to go against everything your parents are telling you right now. And it's okay. Is it okay? Yeah, it is okay. Because what I'm going to tell you is what your parents are not telling you. Your parents right now are telling you what? Get a job and be safe. And what I'm telling you is that's a recipe for money. Next time your parents tell you get a job and be safe, just do for them. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> don't do that. They might smack you somewhere. Uh, but, but do an internship. Find a place where there are wise people you respect, you'd be like, and give them a year and serve them. And just say, I want to serve. <laughs> I'm going to look for busway if I have to. And I'm going to come and serve. Why? Because it gives you time to observe in a low-pressure situation. It gives you time to serve and be with people who can rub on you. It gives you time to actually think and broaden your thinking before you get into the rat race of money where all you're thinking about is your next paycheck and how to manage your bills. It's a great thing. Here at Mavuno Church, we call ours Discovery. And it's a one-year opportunity to just come and be with me, with the leaders of this church, and just spend time talking ministry, talking leadership, doing it, not just talking it. You know, we, Kara and I did it at Nairobi Chapel. That was one of the most defining experiences of our life. We both did a one-year internship at Nairobi Chapel. It was astounding. The things we learned, the people we sat with, the ideas that changed our thinking even till today. 
And one of the things that was most amazing is also it taught us, and this was an aside benefit we didn't expect, it taught us how to live life without a lot of money. That's a great lesson. To have a life that's very simple and you don't need a lot of money, it's amazing. It's amazing. We learned from that, from when we were interns, to live on one of our, one of our paychecks. And so, and of course, already when you're very little, half of little is just little. You know? so, so we just learned to live on half and to invest and give the rest. You can imagine, we've both been working for 21 years now, uh, plus. And 21 years of living on one paycheck and investing the other, giving the other. What opportunities. When I tell you, it's not how much you earn, it's what you do with it. It's freed up some huge resources for us over the years. It doesn't start immediately. It's, it's small amounts. But you multiply that and give the time value of money on it. And oh my goodness, you look at what you've been able to achieve and you'll be shocked in 20 years what you'll have been able to do. Do an internship. Serve somewhere. It's not about money. It's not <laughs> true wisdom. True wealth. Doesn't begin with. Okay, good. You're awake. Just checking on you. True wisdom doesn't begin with. Wallet, it begins with wisdom. Tell your neighbor, wisdom. Not wallet. Important. I can already hear someone saying, I don't have time. This is hard. It's a lot of work. But I want to say this. Rawashaki last week from Centonomy reminded us of this. Two hours of TV every evening. Five hours on the weekend. That adds up to two months of TV a year. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I mean, two months a year, and you ha you've been now doing this for the last 20 years. That's how many years? I, I, was so, I don't know how many of you were sobered by that, but I was like, Lord, forgive me. Um, I already watch little enough TV as it is, but I was like, there's so much more I can do with my time to increase in wisdom. In his book, Money Won't Make You Rich, Sunday Adelaja, he's a pastor from the Ukraine, and he says, money doesn't come to good people. Because there are millions of good people who are poor. Money doesn't come to educated people. Because there are so many educated people living average middle class lives in our world today. Money doesn't come to churchgoers or Christians. Oh my goodness. If this was the case, our churches would be already filled with millionaires. Money only comes to those who are already rich in the knowledge of the laws of money. And until you're rich in your mind, you're not rich at all. Really sobering. This is why, no wonder then Solomon would say, you know, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. When I have wisdom, I have everything else. Without wisdom, I have nothing. And God was so pleased with Solomon. God was so pleased with Solomon that he not only gave him wisdom, but he gave him the things he didn't ask for. He gave him wealth, riches, honor, and victory over his enemies. Remember, money flows. You get wisdom. Everything else, it follows. And Solomon had all these other things to spare. Now, today we've talked about the mind. Last week we talked about the heart. In the next couple of weeks we'll be talking about the hands. And some of the things we must be about doing if we want to become money wise and be good investors of the resources God has given us. But here's a thought as I conclude. Most Kenyans think all I need to solve my problems is just a little money. It doesn't matter whether they tell you the answer is Jesus because they're Christians. <laughs> they, they think the answer is if I could just get more in my paycheck, if I could just get my business to get one tender, if I could just get one extra breakthrough financially, 
my life will actually be in a much better place. But, and that's why, given a choice, that's what we go for. But God is looking for people like Solomon. He's looking for people who will first invest in the thing that really counts. Asking him for wisdom and direction. Seeking it. Being a trustworthy pe- person when it comes to wisdom and acquiring that wisdom. Will you be one of those people? Will you make the, cha- the change to invest in wisdom? Will you be one of those who seek God? Ask him for wisdom. Will you be one of those who seek to invest in financial wisdom? God is asking, will you be this kind of person? Because true wealth starts with wisdom, not wallet. How many percent do you think roughly will apply this message in Mavuno Church today? What's your guess? How many people really take this seriously and actually use it? And not tell Pastor M, Pastor M, that was a great sermon. Wow. And then go back to hustling for wallet and not hustling for wisdom. Be one of those that makes a difference. I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I really do sense that God is saying some things today that are, you know, they may sound simple. But for some of us, these are difficult, difficult things. And I want to pray for us. I sense that some of us who are here, who are in a space where a little older, really made some messes financially. And right now we are saying, God, I've made a mess of it. I sought money, not wisdom. I've made unwise choices when it comes to finances. And you know what I sense is that God is saying, it's not too late. It's never, ever too late. I can turn your life around. doesn't matter whether you're 60. I can still turn your life around. You're my servant. I want you to prosper. I want you to have the wisdom for financial things. There are some of us who have sought wisdom for everything else. We are great parents. We are great at managing everything except money. And God is saying, I want to give you wisdom for that as well. If you will just pray for it. Ask me for it. And so I want to pray for that group of people. You're a little older, but you know you've blown up so much. Maybe because of ignorance. Or maybe just because you feared money. Or just because you thought it was not a spiritual topic. But for whatever reason... You've not gained financial wisdom. And you can look at your life right now and there's anxiety as a result of that. But I also want to pray for another group of people. I want to pray for people who are just beginning your career. You're entering a new job, entering a new opportunity, starting a new business, maybe just leaving school. And as you listen to this message, you're saying, I'm so glad I've heard it now when I'm still young. I can seek, put my priorities in the right place and seek for wisdom first. And if you're in any one of these two categories, I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet because we want to pray together. Our God is a God who is such a promise-keeping God. He said, if you ask for it, I will give it. He promises that. What a great promise in Scripture. And today as God's people, we are taking Him at His word. We're saying, Lord, as I begin this journey, give me wisdom. We're saying, Lord, I may have blown up all those years, but you can still give me wisdom now to finish my years well. Let's appreciate all those who are standing across the building. We bless the Lord for you. Bless the Lord for you. I'm going to ask you to speak to your father right now. And just begin to say, God, give me wisdom. It's a simple prayer. It's not a prayer a pastor needs to pray for you. It's one where you just come to your father and say, just give me wisdom. Forgive me for what I've made it. But going forward, Lord, I want to be wise. I want to invest. These resources are yours. And you're concerned about them. You want me to be a good investor. Help me, Lord. Father, thank you for every prayer that is coming up to you right now. 
Thank you for every broken confession that's coming up to you right now. That person who's saying, God, I may have made a mess of it, but I thank you because you're a God of a second chance. Thank you for every young person who's hearing this message and is saying, I'm so grateful I've heard it. I can seek the things that really matter. And thank God that when I seek God, the Bible says it, seek His kingdom, seek His wisdom. These things begin to follow me. They will come. And I thank you for those who are at that place where they're entering that new opportunity and are saying, Lord, as I enter into this space, may your wisdom be my guide. I will seek you. Father, thank you because seeking wisdom, there's a cost to it. There's a time cost to it. We need to invest that time with you. We need to invest that time in, invest, in education. But I thank you because my brothers and sisters who are standing, Lord, are making that commitment. This is not just an emotional response. I will actually obey. I will do something out of this message. And Lord, by next year, I'll be in a different place because I've sought you for wisdom. I've sought to increase my, in, uh, my, in, my, my financial education. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, right now, I just want to declare, our God, who is promise-keeping God, you who declare that you will give wisdom to all who ask you, that right now, divine wisdom from heaven is coming upon my brothers and sisters. As they are seeking you, you are giving them wisdom even to seek you. Wisdom even to ask the right questions. Wisdom even to use their time correctly. Father God, I thank you because you're raising up a wise generation in this church. A generation that will make you proud. A generation that will manage resources well. Father God, I thank you because you're building a foundation in this church. A foundation for true wealth. People that you will give the resources of heaven because they will have the wisdom to manage those resources. I thank you, Lord, because you're more than faithful to keep your promise. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I can see you raising up somebody in this congregation. But I want to prophesy right now. There's somebody who's standing right now. Your business is in debt and it's about to go out of business. And I want to speak over you right now because God is working in your heart even as I speak these words. And God is going to turn around your situation. Yes, some things are going to be difficult in the month or two to come. But God is turning around that situation. By the end of this year, you will see a completely different business. In fact, I declare over you that you will be a kingdom millionaire in this church. And you will be used by God to bring many to Him because of the resources He's going to put in that business. Your business, as you go through this restructuring that God is taking you through, will stop being a self-centered business and become a God-centered business. And I declare that God is going to do great things through that business. If this is you, just receive that word because you know it's your word. Bless you, Lord. Father, I thank you too because you're giving me a word right now for a couple who've been in so much fi financial difficulty in their marriage. They love each other, but finances are such a concern and a fear for them right now. They're faithful to serve you, but finances have been difficult for them. I speak the peace that passes all understanding to guard their home right now in Christ Jesus. And I speak that, Lord Jesus, together they will seek you and they will find wisdom. And you're about to do some things that will turn them around so they'll become instructors to others when it comes to things financial. And Lord, not only will you do that, you will bless them and bless their children because of the conversation they're going to have after this and the decision to seek wisdom together. I release that blessing upon them right now. And so, Lord, we thank you. You're such a good God. You love your children. You love your children. Let me invite the rest of us to stand to our feet right now as we conclude. Our God is good, isn't he?
Come on, let's appreciate him right now. Lord, we bless you. You're such a good God. You're such a good God. Homework. You thought I forgot, huh? All right. Book of Proverbs. Very simple. If you could just take this one and every day, just read one. You can even do it over lunch. That lunch hour. Just take one. And if you've got a Bible where you, can, you, you feel free to underline it or you can take notes and just underline what you learn about wisdom and about money because you're going to find a lot about it, about those two things, wisdom and money. Is that good homework? Are you going to do it? All right. I believe that this church is different. It's not 25% who will gain from this. All of us are going to be different because of God's word to us. As you go out, uh, if you came in late and you weren't able to give your offering, the offering baskets will be outside. Uh, the offering, the late offering receptacle, you'll see it as you go. Please make sure you sign up for Centonomy. If you haven't done Mizizi, by the way, great space to get a team of people around you to help you in some of the commitments you're making. So please sign up for that. I want to bless you as you go out into the week. Receive God's blessing. Father, thank you for these, your people. People you love so much. You love, your, you love them so much, you gave your own life for them. And Lord Jesus, we thank you because you're the God of all resources. You're the God of all resources. You don't even, for you there's no such thing as lack of resources. And you're able to liberally bless your people with every resource they need to fulfill the purpose that they have. I pray for your children, Lord, that Lord, they would walk in wisdom. There'll be people who, who seek you. And that Lord, you would lead them into paths of purpose for your name's sake. And that Lord, you'd refresh them in that season. I pray that even this month there will be refreshment. I pray that, Lord, you'd cause them to be people who people look up to because they are men and women of wisdom. I pray that their children would come to them for solutions because they know my parents are people, men and women of wisdom. I speak that, Lord, financial wisdom will be their portion and their lot. And they will bring deliverance to many because of the resources you pour into their lives. And so I bless Mavuno today, Lord, on your behalf. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and God's people say it together. Come on, let's give the Lord a big shout. Lord, we bless you. God bless you. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them money, wisdom, 